Welcome to episode 61 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 7. We are one spirit, one soul, and together we are creating a library of stories and life lessons. I am your host, Hamida, and I want to bring you stories because stories matter, stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. I am so excited to be back with you for another episode of Sharing Life Lessons. Today, we're embarking on Season 7 of this podcast. I have mentioned this quote of Rumi before, and here it is again, because it is one of my favorites. He says, Gratitude is the wine of the soul. Go on, get drunk. And drunk I am. I am in complete gratitude to the universe and my spirit guides, who have led me so far into the 61st episode of this beautiful podcast. To my listeners who have traveled this journey with me, to the monthly subscribers to the podcast, your support is very, very valuable. And to the amazing guests I have had so far, who have given us of their personal stories and valuable life lessons, I am drunk in your gratitude. This message is for those who are enjoying listening to the podcast and who wish to support it. You can become a monthly subscriber like others by going to the link in the show notes for anchor.fm and clicking on the support button with the dollar sign on the landing page. You can subscribe for any amount per month of your choice. Listeners, today's episode is different by design in that we don't have a guest and we are not going to listen to real life personal stories today. Most of us grew up listening to fairy tales, or tales from our religious scriptures, or sometimes even stories our parents and grandparents made up for us. My storyteller was my grandmother. Every night I used to snuggle in bed with her and she would tell me fairy tales which would all end with, and the lesson of this story is... And the next time she told me the same story... I had to tell her what the lesson of that story was, pretty much like a fairy tale quiz. When my two children were younger, my husband told them stories that he made up. But the one thing that both my children remembered through those totally made up stories was the one common thread in all the stories that was everything took place on or around a tree. A tree with deep and strong roots that signified to them that they should be grounded like this tree. Their strong roots would take the form of strong relationships and unwavering core values. Furthermore, this tree had animals and birds who got themselves into trouble only to be rescued by other unknown animals or birds, signifying to them that no matter who it is, if we see someone in trouble, we ought to help them out. That is how communities are built and sustained. These life lessons were not explicitly mentioned by their dad, but implicitly represented in the stories he made up. These lessons, they will always remember. And I see them literally weaving the lessons of strength, being grounded, helping others under all circumstances, and being a genuine citizen of their communities into their daily lives. Thus, we have to give credit to such stories because they inspire and they teach as well. I have tried to present the first episode of every season differently, and the variation for this episode is that we will be sharing life lessons from stories from literature, both physical and digital literature, 
The stories I am sharing here are not even related to each other. They will present to us distinct but useful life lessons. All the stories will be narrated by my dear daughter Karina. Honestly, she kind of had to be coaxed by me to narrate them here. So here is story number one. Socrates, the test of three. In ancient Greece, 469 to 399 BC, Socrates was widely lauded for his wisdom. One day, the great philosopher came upon an acquaintance who ran up to him excitedly and said, Socrates, do you know what I just heard about one of your students? Wait a moment, Socrates replied. Before you tell me, I'd like you to pass a little test. It's called the test of three. Test of three? That's correct, Socrates continued. Before you talk to me about my student, let's take a moment to test what you're going to say. The first test is truth. Have you made absolutely sure that what you are about to tell me is true? No, the man replied. Actually, I just heard about it. All right, said Socrates. So you don't really know if it's true or not. Now, let's try the second test, the test of goodness. Is what you are about to tell me about my student something good? No, on the contrary. So, Socrates continued, you want to tell me something bad about him, even though you're not certain it's true? The man shrugged, a little embarrassed. Socrates continued, you may still pass, though, because there is a third test, the filter of usefulness. Is what you want to tell me about my student going to be useful to me? No, not really. Well, concluded Socrates, if what you want to tell me is neither true nor good, nor even useful, why tell it to me at all? The man was defeated and ashamed and said no more. This is the reason Socrates was such a great philosopher and held in such high esteem. I'm sure you will agree with me that the test of three is a tough one to follow, and kudos to those who take the time to reflect before they speak. This could be a gradual habit we can cultivate. First, become aware that we need to reflect before we speak. And once we begin to give ourselves this space to reflect, then whenever we are about to talk to someone about someone else or be angry and hurtful to another person, we can stop to quickly go through the test of three in our minds. If we pass it, then wonderful. But if we don't pass it, then let's resolve to not say anything at all. And let's choose the alternative to be silent instead. Rumi says, listen to silence. It has much to say. Over to story number two. This story is specifically picked from my favorite fiction of Rumi called Rumi and Kabir Consulting, authored by Akbar Khwaja and Nikhil Sharma. This is how the story goes. Once, a baby fish got thirsty and went to its mama and said, I'm thirsty, please give me some water. The mama was amused and explained that we are in water, and there is water all around us, and we take in and throw out water habitually to extract nourishing portions of it. The baby fish said, I saw humans come to the edge of the lake and drink water. They said it quenched their thirst. Now, I am thirsty and want to drink water like the humans. Mama Fish once more began to explain that humans live on land, 
and need water to dissolve toxins and throw toxins out. However, fish do not need to do that. Baby fish, obsessed with the idea of drinking water, became even more miserable and wanted to experience the quenching of thirst that humans enjoyed so much. After much searching and many failures, it went to the edge of the lake and jumped out of the lake to be like the humans. When it was outside, it started to choke for want of water. As it was choking, it realized that it could not survive outside of the pond. It started to flip and flop trying to get into the pond. Obviously, it did not have as much control over its movement that it had in water. In its struggle to get back into the pond, it finally understood what his mama had been saying. It understood better than any fish that there was always abundant water, and it did not need to search for it. Instead, it had to consume it and be consumed by it. In its last moments, the baby fish was enlightened about the reality of the relationship between fish and water, that a fish could never get thirsty. A little boy who was playing around the pond saw the fish bouncing up and down and walked up to it. He picked it up lovingly and threw it back in the water. The baby fish was thankful to get back into the pond. However, now, the texture of the water had changed. Baby fish could feel the miracle of aqua around it like it had never felt before. The fish blissfully swam through the liquid that it was so precious and joyful. It was cheerful and happy to just be in the water and wanted nothing else. Unaware of the adventure the baby had undergone, the mama fish was surprised at the transformation of its baby. Let me list the lessons I learned from this simple but beautiful story. One. Don't compare your possessions with others. You don't know what they are going through in their lives. Don't go after your perception of others' happiness. 2. Look within you. What you have may just be enough. Like the baby fish realized that it had abundant water around it and it did not need to go after more water. What more are you searching for outside of you? Because you have the universe within you. Rumi said, stop acting so small. You are the universe in ecstatic motion. The life lesson we learned from this third and last short story is one that is closest to my heart. This story is taken from the collection of stories from Dare to Do. Once upon a time, there was a young athletic boy hungry for success for whom winning was everything and success was only measured by winning. One day, the boy was preparing for a race. Two other young boys and he would be competing in a race in his little village. A large crowd had gathered to witness this sporting spectacle. A wise man happened to be in the village that day, and so he decided to bear witness to the race as well. The race commences, but at the finishing line, it seems like a very close race. But sure enough, the boy dug his heels deep and called upon his determination, strength, and power, and crossed over the finishing line first, and the crowd was ecstatic and cheered and waved at the boy. The little boy felt proud and important. A second race was called. Two young fit challengers came forward to run with the boy. The race started, and sure enough, the boy finished first once again. The crowd was ecstatic again and cheered and waved at the boy, and the little boy felt proud and important once again. The wise man was witnessing all of this. 
Another race, another race, pleaded the little boy. The wise old man stepped forward and presented the little boy with two new challengers, an elder frail lady and a blind man. What is this? quizzed the little boy. This is no race, he exclaimed. Go ahead, race, said the wise man. The race started and the little boy was the only one who finished the race. The other two challengers had just about passed the starting line. The little boy was excited. He raised his arms with delight. But the crowd, however, was silent and did not cheer and wave at the little boy. In fact, it seemed to the boy that the people were not happy with him. What happened? Why is the crowd not joining me in my success? He asked the wise old man. Race again, said the wise old man. And this time, finish together. All three of you finish together. The little boy understood and stood in between the frail old lady and the blind man and took them by their hands. The race started and the little boy walked slowly, ever so slowly to the finishing line and crossed it. The crowd was ecstatic and cheered and waved at the boy. The wise man gently smiled, nodding his head. The little boy felt proud and important once again. The wise man looked into the little boy's eyes placing his hand on his shoulders, and said, Little boy, for this race you have won much more than you have won in any race you have ever run before in your life. Let's ask ourselves, in life, in our life, what are we running for? Are we hungry for success? Is winning the only measure of success for us? Who are we even running against? And if we always win against everybody, then soon the people will stop cheering for us. At the end of our lives, if we look back, the question is, who was running next to us in this race of life? Were they older or weaker? Did you help them get across the finishing line? Did you all finish together? Because that is the best race you can ever run. So run. Run this race called life. But don't forget it is not important that you win. It is important how you run this race. Need I say more? In life, everyone can fall. Winners are those who get up the fastest. This is the life lesson Bonnie St. John, the Paralympic ski race silver medalist, shared with us in episode number 30. An extension of that life lesson is illustrated in this last story. It is not important that you win. It is important how you run the race. And truly ask yourself, who is running the race of life next to you? At home, at work, at school, in society, who needs your help? Who are you uplifting? Whose hand are you holding to lead them over the finish line? One kind gesture, one good compliment, a year to listen when they need you to, one touch on the shoulder to say, I understand. One nudge of support to say, I am with you. And the celebrations we can have together when we all cross the finish line. Together, we are one spirit, one soul. And together, we will win the race of life. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you the next episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be well.